So today we want to talk about if you know someone that keeps going in and out of drugs and alcohol, how to deal with that. So if we go to Jude verse 22 and 23, we want to encourage you on how to handle the situation. So in Jude 22 it says, And you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. Now we're not talking about a non-believer, we're talking about a believer here. They've walked in faith, but yet the enemy gets into their ear and they listen and they walk away from God. Because often when someone we know and love, even someone we have trusted in the past, fails to err or, or sin, we may be tempted to feel betrayed and angry towards that person. Especially if it's been more than one time that you tried to help them back and it looked like they were back, but then they fell again. So we may wonder how he or she could have ever veered off track into such deep moral foolishness. It's You sit there and try to figure it out in your own mind, which you can't. you got to go to God. But holding a hostile attitude against those who are walking in error or living in sin will not set them free. It won't even help our heart condition either because now instead of praying and getting to find out what we can do to help them, we're feel betrayed. So in these cases, Jude 22 says to show mercy. Now mercy is unmerited favor. In other words, with God, we don't have to do anything to get things from Him. So we have to treat them the same way that we would God would treat us. So what we want to do then is we want to say what can we do? How can we help them? And go from there. So the word mercy is the Greek word which is in this case refers to goodwill and kindness towards the afflicted. Kindness and goodwill is mercy. So we have to, how do you say, treat them like we would treat anyone that is born again with love. So when we see a person like that, you have a desire to help them. Why? Because we're not looking at what they're doing. We're looking at how God sees them. So Jude uses the word mercy to let us know that he is trying to help us understand the serious trouble of those who have embraced error or who have compromised their faith. So the word mercy is telling us that the spiritual condition of the wayward believer is real serious. I mean, there's no way out. That's the way they look at it. Because the devil's in their mind saying, oh, you blew it. God doesn't love you anymore, and they're buying it. 
But as we allow the love of God to operate in us towards sinful believers, our love will begin to flow from us to them. And that compassion will move us into prayer on the behalf and away from judgmental attitude against them. In other words, if we're not walking in love, like we said before, it's going to bother us and then we're not going to be able to help them. we got to stay in that word. So God's loving kindness within us will compel us to do all we can to see these believers set free from deception that has gripped us. And they have consumed deceptional error and as a result they have opened the door to the enemy. They bought the lie. And now they open that door, the enemy's in, and now he can go into other areas. Once he gets in, we have to keep that enemy out of your life completely. So they are misled people whose situation is critical. We have to understand that. And you may be upset with them for laying aside the scripture you probably told them a hundred times already, get in the scriptures. The scriptures will guide you, direct you, give you strength, give you power. And to be truthful, this should be upsetting. But harboring anger against those who have taken a wayward path won't remedy this. Their, their spiritual condition. And it will harm you for taking a wrong stance in your heart against those who err. So we also have to watch how it's affecting us. We, we, if we let it affect us, what are we doing? We're opening the door for the enemy too. So in such cases, we must learn to let the loving kindness of Christ flow from our hearts towards those who have become infected with spiritual error. In other words, the enemy is in there and now he's working on them. So mercy is a mighty force that releases amazing amounts of spiritual power. So that's what we need, not only for ourselves in this situation, but for them. The power of the spirit world. So the tremendous flow of God's power released as you pray from your heart of compassion has the ability to break the chains that will bind their souls and mind. So really... Prayer is the answer, but there's other things that we can do. But through prayer, then God can bind the devil from getting into their soul and mind. So their condition may be so serious that only intervention by God will open their eyes and enable them to see their way out of the dark place they are in right now. Because they walked away from God. Now, if we start using God's ways to get them back out, then they can see their error and they can change their mind and their heart. So this was the reason Jude urges us to have mercy. So loving kindness is making a difference which is dividing, separating, and to regulate. 
So what is it? It divides and separates the spirit, the soul, and the body. And then once it's divided, now we can regulate the spiritual realm into their heart. So this picture is an individual who has lost his ability to separate right from wrong, and it can even depict those who are unable to tell the difference between a truth and a lie. Because once that enemy gets in, and you're listening to him more than God, well, now you're so confused. What What is the truth? What is the lie? So believers who have gone astray develop a lasting uncertainty in what they believe, and ultimately they begin to doubt God's word altogether, even questioning the most basic fundamentals of spiritual truth. And that is where we have to understand where they're at. They have doubts, but we have to get that doubt out of their mind and get the word in. Because they sink deeper into deception and become so spiritually unstable that they begin to question and doubt important Bible truths they once believed and embraced. Because whatever they know before they fell off, when they come back, they're going to start right where they left off. It's not like they got to start from the beginning again. So we got to get that truth and that belief back into them. And through God, we can do it. So by using making a difference, this informs us that individuals who are deceived and unable to reach accurate spiritual conclusions and often embrace what they would have once deemed wrong, we can help them. So in Jude 23, says, Rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. Show mercy to still others, but to do with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their life. By hating doesn't mean hate of the world. It means you don't like it. You know where it's coming from. It's coming from the devil. So you're telling that devil you take your hands off of them. You have no authority over them. But this does call for immediate, fast, and continuous action. In other words, if we just hesitate, well, I take care of it tomorrow or the next day. This was not a suggestion from Jude. This was a command. Immediate, fast, right away, continuous, get at it. So the word rescue indicates that Aaron believers are on the brink of destruction and we need to act immediately. In other words, if somebody falls into the river, you can't say, well, somebody down the line there will rescue them. No, you got to rescue them. So deceived believers are on the edge of imminent disaster, and if someone doesn't act fast and do something to rescue them, they could suffer tragedy. In other words... They could try to commit suicide. 
like Lot, an Old Testament believer who was living on the brink of disaster, didn't understand the seriousness of his trouble. But because Abraham acted quickly to stand in the gap and intercede for his deliverance, Lot's life was spared. In other words, they destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, and Lot was loving God, so he had to get out of there before he could do it. In the same way, God commands us to move and act immediately for these and intercede for them. Because the condition of those who are in error are so serious. I've been saying that quite a few times, getting you to understand. They cannot help themselves. Somebody has to pray. Somebody has to do something. So we must do everything we know to do. And the main thing is prayer. So the ingredient of that saving process includes intercession like Abraham has interceded for Lot. So as we pray and stand sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, he will show us what other steps we might need to take to see the deliverance come to those who have been led astray. They were led. They didn't choose that. They just had a weak moment. They let the enemy in, and the enemy took over. It wasn't that they tried. So the Holy Spirit has the key to every person's heart, and he is ready to give us that key if we will listen to him. So we can go before God and say, what triggered this? What, what, what was the root of them falling away? And if we can find that root, which he will tell us, we will know where to pray. So Jude went on to say, when we see other Christians headed down the dangerous path of spiritual deception, we must engage in pulling them out of the fire. In other words, the fire is that enemy leading them astray. The word rescue conveys the picture of laying hold of and of snatching someone out of a dangerous situation. We got a, in other words, we were talking before about somebody falling in the river. You got to survey the situation. If I'm going to jump in, where do I jump in? When I get to them, how do I grab a hold of them to save their life? And it's the same thing with rescue. We're coming before God now and we're going to find out. But we must obey this command by doing everything within God's ability. Not our ability, God's ability. Because God is now using us to help them. So through prayer and empowered by loving kindness to lay hold of and to snatch people out of their spiritual dangerous predicaments. In other words, prayer and loving kindness are giving us the power to believe. We have to now believe. So then when we say, it's going to happen. So although wayward believers must not realize the seriousness of their 
may not realize the seriousness of their spiritual condition, Scripture shows that we will experience a negative consequence of some kind of intervention is not made on their behalf. In other words, if someone doesn't pray, they're really in serious problem. So we are not to just sit by and watch Christians sink deeper and deeper into deception. Again, when we see people lured off track, we must pray and seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I've said that before because this is really the biggest important thing. He will show us how to pray and whether we are to further be involved helping them wake up to the reality of their place so that they can be delivered from the judgment that they are bringing onto themselves. What is judgment? Judgment is not accusing. Judgment is whatever sin that you commit, there's a repercussion. Or it's like traffic. If you're speeding and you get pulled over and get a ticket, that's your judgment for speeding. Well, their judgment is that they're not living the kind of life that God created them to live in. So let's sum up what we just learned in Jude 22 and 23. It is essential that we be moved with compassion and not simply feel sorry for their trouble. We can get into that. Oh, that poor guy and do nothing. No. You must let loving kindness move you into action. That love of God to do what you can to make a difference for those who are uncertain and doubtful and are back and forth in their faith. By back and forth, there's some of them that you help get out and then they go back in a second time. There are some in such serious condition that there is no choice but for you to urgently swing into action to deliver, rescue, and save them from themselves. They're the ones that put them into this situation. If we can get them to understand how, why, when, and what happened, we can get them to see the truth. So you should be so alarmed by their condition that you are willing to do whatever is necessary to snatch them out of the fire. So, are we willing to do whatever it takes? We, if we're born again and love God, we are, we are willing. So I know that many serious Christians are concerned about people they love. In other words, they are, are, they're a Christian going astray, so that means they're in our covenant, in the covenant of God, and in the covenant, it's automatic that we are our brother's keeper. We're not talking about someone that's not born again here. I pray this encourages you to really fire up your prayer life to intercede for them. Because that's part of being a Christian is intercession. Standing in the gap for them. 
So love them where they're at. It's number one. In other words, don't say, oh, what did you do this for? You know, you're, you're putting judgment on them. No. You love them where they're at. You don't even mention their problem. You say, this is what God says. So ask them if they have need that we can help them with. I mean, they, they may think they can't get out of it, but they want help. So invite them to a Bible study. I've done that many a time. Go to the Word and get the promises. Because we as born-again believers, there's three and a half thousand promises in the Bible that said if you do this, you can have that. Find a promise that deals with the situation. Then say what you believe. In other words, this is us praying now. We say what we believe, and what we believe, believe the promises. So increase comes from the word that you believe. So it's, we are now going to help them with what we believe that's going to increase because we believe. You get that, what I just said? If we don't believe it, it's not going to work for them. This must be your way of life that we want to help our brother. So what can we do? Spend time with him? Take him out to lunch? Pray and ask God what we should do? That probably should be first. Give them scriptures that will instruct them on how to change the way they think and act. That's really important because the word is the only thing that can change them. But we have to see them as God sees them. God sees them perfect because Jesus' blood took care of all their sins, past, present, and future. So when he looks at them, he sees Jesus. And that's the way we should see him. And look at their potential. That's how God looks at them, isn't it? He's got a, he calls it a calling, we would call it a duty or a job for for that person. So we have to see them walking in their calling. Don't see the wrong they're doing. In other words, if we do, we're going to say the wrong words. Help them to get to where God wants them as sons and daughters. Because even though they've fallen, they're a born-again believer, they're still the son of God. Tell them that it's not what they did, it's what Jesus did. In other words, Jesus died on that cross. <clears throat> he wiped out your sins. So the enemy is telling them, hey, you sinned. God doesn't love you anymore. Well, tell them this. Jesus died for you. Your sins are forgiven. There's no more guilt or condemnation. Move on. Because Jesus' blood blotted out all sins. And God sees you sinless. That's the main thing right here. God sees us all sinless.
So I want to say that again. God sees what Jesus did, not what you did. So if you specifically need someone to pray for or with for someone on your heart, go to your covenant partner and they will gladly pray with you and believe for a powerful result to pray or prayers of faith. In other words, if it seems like this person is not receiving, go to someone else and say, will you pray with me for this person? And if we can keep our mind off of what they did to you and keep it on God, we can help them and that they will come back to God. <clears throat>